April 11th, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears. I'm your host, Peter Bergman, and my, my oh my, the war rages on from a distance. Have you been joining all those people up on YouTube looking at those Apache gunship videos? Oh my, oh my. Wonder who they're hitting. Is it a T for terrorist, uh, an I for insurgent, an H for a hostile, or just S for shoot them all up? Anyway, must be tough. Somebody came back from Iraq recently and said, if you're going to be up there doing that, you have to bring your avatar with you. He said, if you brought your whole self to it, you wouldn't be able to pull the trigger. Oh, Afghanistan. Save us from Babylon. If they can take your name away, can they take us to Edu? It shows Reuters photojournalist Namir Noradan, driver Saeed Jamak, and several others gunned down by U.S. military in a public square in eastern Baghdad. Pilots apparently mistook the camera carried by a newsman for a weapon. Come on, fire! After the initial shooting, an unarmed group of adults and children in a minivan arrived on the scene and attempted to transport the wounded. The van was fired upon as well. Come on. WikiLeaks showed photographs of the children in the van who survived. We can infer that these sort of attacks are going on in Afghanistan. But this is the reality of modern warfare. Oh, Afghanistan. Save us from Babylon. If they can take your name away, can they take us to Edu? The real reason that I think Americans are going to be concerned is that there that is that there is no prospect that the mission for which their sons and daughters are being sent can be accomplished. Let me go. Get me to go. Just release. Get me to be released. Uh, I would recommend halting the surge uh, and a rather rapid withdrawal of a significant part of the U.S. forces that have been sent into Afghanistan over the last year. I want to go home. You know, the, the men, Afghanistan men who are in our prisons, they want to go home too. Oh, Afghanistan, save us from Babylon. If they can take your name away. Okay, front page of the New York Times. Taliban disrupt pay to Afghans. Uh, Since their offensive here in February, the Marines have flooded Marja with hundreds of thousands of dollars a week. The tactic seems to win over wary locals, at least aims to, by paying them compensation for property damage or putting to work men who could otherwise be looking to the Taliban for support. The approach helped in Iraq, but in Marja... uh, Where the Taliban seem to be everywhere, and most of the time it's impossible to even tell who they are, they have already found ways to thwart the strategy in many places, including killing or beating some who take the Marines' money or just pocketing themselves. You know, you shake hands with them, says one of the uh, Marine public affairs officers, but you don't know they're Taliban. They have the same clothes and the same style, and and they're using the money against the Marines. They're buying IEDs and buying ammunition and everything. I mean, this is absurd. We, We did this... Early on, just after um, 
after Russia in, invaded uh, Afghanistan, we sent in lots and lots of literally bags and boxes of money to the Mujahideen. In fact, Saudi Arabia matched. Every dollar we sent was matched by Saudi Arabia. So we'd bring in a big oak trunk of money and they'd bring in another big oak trunk of money. And it was all to like pay for the Mujahideen to throw the Russians out, which I guess they did. The, the difference was they didn't want us there. They don't see much difference between us and the Russians, except we're still there trying to give them money. And it, it, it doesn't work. Um, it, it's, it's an odd, odd place for us to be at this time. We don't belong in Afghanistan. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no isolationist by any means. But this is a hopeless crusade. And indeed, it's seen by everybody, I think, who's over there in Pakistan or Iran or Afghanistan who's a Muslim as a crusade. It's, it smacks of what? The 12th century when we went down to rescue the city for Christ. And now we're in there rescuing Afghanistan for who? It's hard to tell. It depends on who's on the other end of these rucksacks of money that are delivered <laughs> every week. And one of the battalion's outpost shipments of cash arrive regularly. The last was 10 million Afghanis, or $210,000 stuffed into a rucksack. The battalion doles out 150000 a week, said the Marines. $150,000 a week. Bring it to Akron. That's where they need it. They don't need it in Marja. They were doing just fine without us. They grow opium there. They grow lots and lots of opium. So they're doing just fine. But just in case, we figure, just in case to keep them loyal and keep them from being Taliban, which means what? Being people who live in the village? I mean, I'm no Taliban fan, but, you know, hey, they're all over the place. They live there. Okay, on one afternoon in March, 40 Afghans could be seen clearing away several layers of rubble remaining from a bazaar leveled during a NATO bomb strike two years ago. The $190,000 contract is expected to take a month to complete. They're paying Afghanis to pick up the rubble from NATO airstrikes from two years ago. You could pay people in this country $190,000 to pick up the rubble that's left by the, the, the destruction of the industrial infrastructure. Go to Akron with a, with a sack of money. You'll get people to clear up rubble without any question being asked. But no, we're in Afghanistan trying to win the hearts and the minds of the people with sacks of money. I mean, I love, you know, Barack Obama. I think he's a marvelous man, but Come on, Mr. President. I mean, I know you were stuck with this thing, but there's got to be some way to get out. This just isn't working. Ah, yes, the war rages on. But nature also rages on in its nice, friendly, quiet way. And talking about nature, I have Barton Cole in the studio with me again today. Well, one of the things that, that I find remarkable about, about being on the island is the... Uh, it's the blackberries. It's the wild berries. That oh, yeah. me crazy. I came here. I, I, the decision to come here really was like in August when you could walk down the, the road and you could pick these huge. Uh, yeah. They, they're blackberries. They're not bushberries, right? They're blackberries. No, these are Himalayan blackberries. Himalayan, really? Yeah. They're, um, they're not a native, although they show up in a lot of books listing native plants. They were introduced as a hedgerow and fruit crop. So... Mm, a lot of the diehard locals are pretty pissed off about the blackberries, and they think salmonberries are great. Now, salmonberries taste insipid. 
I mean, anybody will tell you they taste insipid. I now, have. if you look up the word insipid in the dictionary, it has Greek roots meaning the urine of a diabetic. Well, really? Hey, so let's this have is, a little more urine of a diabetic jam. Yeah. So, example. you know, sweet piss, right? Yeah. And that's what salmon berries taste like, um, at least just based on their description of insipid. I can't compare them to... Piss. No, no, you can't. I'm not going to talk about let's, that on the let's radio. Move off, let's move off of that for a second and talk about the ubiquity of the blackberries on the island. They well, let's are go back everywhere. To, let's go back to the blackberries because I say get the salmon berries out of there and make room for the blackberries. Absolutely. You know, and, and people More will food. say, well, they're, but they're a native plant, though. The salmon berries, well, they're going to have to do better than that. I'm sorry. Now, the blackberries... On the other hand, what an astonishing plant. You know, of course, the thorns that we all know so well. But the thorns curve back toward the base of the plant. Because? This enables them, when the thing manages to grow up into a tree, it's got a little grappling hook that lets it stay up there so that it can climb up in the tree and use it as a structure so that it can you know, get more foliage up in the sun. So it's like a vine in that sense, almost. It can grow, grow up a tree. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It'll basically grow up. But that's, if that thorn were pointing toward the terminus of the shoot, it wouldn't be able to hang onto the branch. Wouldn't mean a thing, right. So it's a, it's a good strategy that the plant has. And these things, uh, sometimes they'll be 40 or more feet long. And as somebody like me, who I, I make decent money tearing these out for people. Yeah, they are I still, you still haven't answered the question. How can they be everywhere if they were planted originally as a crop, which uh, implies in a row or something like sure. it? And how now can they get everywhere? How did they get everywhere? Birds. Birds. Yeah. And then they're so hardy. The seed is so hardy that like bing up comes. The... Well, they make so much fruit. There's yeah, so much true, of it. Of course. And we're just picking around the outside. Oh. You know, you lay some two by fours down and, and work your way deep into that bramble, and, and it's you're like Cortez. No kidding. Oh, oh yeah, you get those these legendary berries that only the birds know about, and they're not talking. <laughs> so when you go in to take it out or part mm -hmm. thereof, you lay two by fours down, and you make. Oh a no, path that's just on? to get into pick. No, when I if oh, I get into pick, it out. Can... Well, yeah. one, I use the little recurve thorn as a strategy because if you encounter a bramble stem. You want to know which end of it is connected to the ground. Now, often the tip will lay down and begin to root. Uh, no, the tip of the thorn will root? No, the tip of the stalk. Tip of the stalk, right. Or anywhere that's touching the ground will root. Not like kudzu, but they will. But Aliens. So when I see this little recurved thorn, I know which direction is the base of the plant. So right. once you figure out where the base is, the thing grows like a fountain out of the ground, mm -hmm. out of one little crown. That's right. It is like a fountain of, of shoots. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they, they fruit on this year's green wood, which then dies and becomes next year's brown, brittle, super dangerous cane. Okay, so, and then the plant also, when you look at blackberry bramble, it's kind of like an electron. It's mostly empty space. Yeah. You know, which is great. It's excellent habitat for birds. I love the stuff. Uh, but, you know, I'll just get in there and um, dig out the crown. And then once the crown is out, and I won't cut any, like, canes off. Once the crown is out, then I'll tie a line around it. And I might have had to cut a tunnel to get into the base of this thing. Okay. <laughs> Then I'll tie a line around it like a choker, like a logger would use. Yeah. And I'll just pull the thing out through that hole. Manually or do you use a, a, a truck or a car? No, well, manually. It comes right out. 
Um, not it's, right out, but it comes yeah. out. Yeah. Well, and then that, away you go. Well, uh, just one other thing before we uh, stop part one here, because we expect to have you back on Oz on a regular basis, because there's there's so much of nature to cover. Well, there's more than just blackberries and uh, reds. There is? No, well, I, I haven't even digested them. Uh, so uh, the, the question is, I want to go back to you laying the two-by-fours down to go into the middle oh, yeah. of the patch mm-hmm. to the place, the berries that only the birds know. And yeah, the legendary berries. Mm-hmm. And you've been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to, uh, I lived in North Tacoma for a time, and there's an academy down there, the Annie Wright uh-huh. Seminary. And there's maybe, oh, 15 acres of just rolling bramble. Really popular place to pick berries. But I go down there with buddies with five-gallon buckets, and you get two two-by-fours, and you lay a two-by-four down in the bramble, and you walk out on it with the other one, mm-hmm. which you then lay down. Right. And pick up the one behind you, and you just work your way back in there. No problem. No, no. I love it because you're giving it its respect. You're not, you know, absolutely. The bramble is like a maze. It is a maze. Yeah. And if you know the maze, you can be a bird and live in it and not get hurt. Well, you know, it it helps to know like the little bit about the thorn. Well, that's part of knowing the maze, man. Absolutely. Exactly. It's I use it as a strategy to help me take the plant out, but also um, just. Everything about the bramble and nettles, too. we got to touch on nettles sometime. Next time, Barton Cole, nettles. Thanks a lot. That See sounds you. great. Thanks, Peter.